All right, guys, before we get started, if you like what we're doing, don't forget to press up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B-A, start, then like and subscribe if you're listening on YouTube. Also, check out at LamerGamersCast on Twitter and throw a review down on Apple Podcast or Podchaser. All right, guys, so starting with the news this week, Pokemon Presents. Now, I screwed up earlier and said it was a Pokemon Direct. Somehow, this is not a Direct. Uh, I don't think Nintendo is using those words lately, it seems. But this is Pokemon Presents. Yeah, this was probably put on by Game Freak and not, um, what is it, hosted by Nintendo or whatever. Yeah. Um, Because a lot of this, uh, I looked up, and a a, a lot of these are non-Nintendo-based cell phone games. Yeah. Um, What is it, actually? Uh, well, well, we'll definitely get into those in a second. The first one that is like the Nintendo Switch only that everybody's excited about. Because honestly, I didn't know about the other ones that you were talking about, the mobile games, mm-hmm. until I watched this Pokemon Presents. Because all I've heard on the internet is about Pokemon Snap for Switch. Now, you played Pokemon. We, I think we both owned Pokemon Snap back in the day, didn't we? Yeah, man. Um, it was... It was fairly interesting, man, because, I mean, it sounds dumb. Like, you, you, you roll around and you just snap pictures of Pokemon, but depending on what's going on in the picture, like, you can get more points. And for the Nintendo 64, I mean, it had, it, it had a lot of replay value, so who knows how big this one's going to be. And it looks interesting. It looks well done. Now, the original Pokemon Snap came out in 1999, so that's, that's like, over 20 years ago, dude. It's old enough to drink. No, it's not quite. Still got another uh, year, I think. No, or at least man, a half a 1999? Year. That would make it 21 years old, man. Yeah, I get, it's going to be close if it's not. <laughs> but, yeah, good point. <laughs> anyway, uh, but uh, here are some details from this game that Nintendo gave us. Uh, photograph Pokemon in their natural habitats as you adventure through unknown islands. Seek out and take in-game pictures of Pokemon in their native environments in the new Pokemon Snap game, only for the Nintendo Switch. You'll even discover behaviors and expressions you've never seen before when you encounter and research lively wild Pokemon. So, that, I mean, it sounds like it's going to be basically the same thing, like you said, where you are taking pictures, you get points based on what they're doing. Sometimes it's the activity, like if you throw out an apple and they munch on it, or if you catch them playing, or, you know, I don't know, drop-kicking people. Who knows? Yeah, in the but, original one, there were more items that you could throw out that would uh, 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 cause them to do different things. Um, if I'm not mistaken, you could throw something out to help them evolve, and you get mm-hmm. mega points for... Uh, taking pictures of uh, the evolution. But here's here's one thing that I didn't think about to literally just now. I wonder if you could do videos in this new one, like short video Ooh. clips. That would be kind of cool. I mean, I would imagine you can with the picture button. Well, yeah, no, no. And, but I mean, like, yeah. like in-game, like as point of the game. Like like if that's going to be a uh, thing in the game? Making I, – I don't, I don't know if it will be, but, like, little short, like, Pokemon TikToks or something – Oh, gosh. Why did you say that combination of words? Ugh. Pokemon TikToks. Uh, so oh, what, man. We're just training a new generation to do that. That's not right. So one one thing I wanted to point out before we get to the uh, uh, controversies is mm-hmm. um, the, the controversies. The controversies. <laughs> um, this is called New Pokemon Snap. Oh, Snap. Uh, it's not called Pokemon Snap 2. So, I'm wondering if this may possibly be an expanded remake or reimagining of the first one. Um, I wouldn't put it past Game Freak or the Pokemon Company, uh, but at the same time, like, there was a whole bunch of islands and Pokemon that were shown that were not in the original one. Uh, so we're definitely going to have to get a lot more information before we know if it's a direct sequel 
or some crazy reimagining because that is the new deal or that's the new thing these days is a reimagining of the original game mm-hmm. why make something new when you can just make the same thing over I mean it sells exactly <laughs> alright so let's get into the controversy alright oh, so uh, also oh. this game is made by uh, Bandai Namco I don't know if you saw that Yes, and that is, I think, what is also going to lead into a lot of the controversy is Pokemon Snap looks way better than Pokemon Sword and Shield. That's funny. You listened to our uh, Boomer episode a long time ago. We went into the graphics effects, and that's generally what people review bomb this game for was the graphics on Pokemon Sword and Shield are kind of, uh, what's a good word for it? Lackluster, stale, uh, bleak? Not good. Oh, that. (laughs) 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 That one. Yeah, so they're kind of bland. I mean, the character models themselves look great. Don't get me wrong. But their interaction with the world, the world itself is not done very well in Pokemon Sword and Shield. Uh, Now, in this game, however, there are, like, impressive water effects on display. Animations are excellent and more. There's all... But you gotta remember, though, there is a difference between the two games. Pokemon Sword and Shield, you know, I kind of want to say it's an open-world game, but it's really not. Yeah. Uh, But... This game is completely on rails. Now, Pokemon Sword and Shield kind of feels like it's on rails at times. <gasps> but but shots fired. Oh, I uh, know. No, no. Somebody's going to be really angry about that. <laughs> but the thing is, with Pokemon Snap, you can really focus on using as many graphical resources as possible because the camera pretty much knows where it's going to be at all times. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. And there, it's also, if you remember the old Pokemon Snap games, it's like a replay almost every time with yeah, some minor variations. Um, you just, you, you, you try to basically throw stuff or, or, or trigger other events to happen um, just so that you can get more points and stuff like that. Uh, I actually went through the other night and was showing my wife uh, videos of the original uh, Pokemon Snap, and I, I totally forgot just how good that game looked and how fun it was. Um, I'm totally getting this, man. I'm super excited. I actually might be more excited <laughs> about this than Pokemon Sword and Shield. Now, I, may not I, am, se- I may not seem like it. I'm super tired. Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, what I'm curious about is how this is going to control. Because I would like to hold a controller up and use gyro controls to kind of angle the camera. Of course you would. I think that would, would be fun. And if you're watching on the Twitch stream, I'm holding up a GoPro, uh, kind of mimicking it. But I think that would be interesting um, compared to using the control sticks, you know, in case you need to make a quick movement. Uh, now, one of the biggest, you know, some of the biggest complaints about the Sword and Shield game were terrible pop-in, lack of animations, and just lack of detail in the world. And to some people right now on the internet that are very angry... This is like a slap in the face to people that were expecting purdy graphics. This game absolutely can cannot, it absolutely positively cannot have that. A game that's all about taking pictures. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yo, can't have that. I, I do got to say though, it, personal thoughts on Sword and Shield. The game is is really rough especially in the quote-unquote open world segments. Um, even I think even to the standards of other open world games with lots of things going on, it looked pretty bad compared to most. So I just I just hated the main um, what do they call it the wild area. Um, that's what it, yeah the open world segment. I love like, the wild area. I thought everything I else it. looked great, like going between cities on the different routes, but just that mm-hmm. that wild area just in the middle of the map. I hated it. Ugh. Yeah. That and that's the part that I was really looking forward to. I like the concept of just running around a giant world and catching Pokemon, but it was just not executed very well. All right, next game, Pokemon Cafe Mix. Uh, Nintendo says Pokemon Cafe Mix is a delightful free to start. That's where they get you with Nintendo. It's not. It, it's free to play, but it's free to start. Yep. Puzzle game. For the Nintendo Switch and smart Ooh. devices. 
You work together with Pokemon to complete puzzles and create wonderful drinks and dishes to serve at your Pokemon Cafe. Um, to me, it, it's an interesting concept for a puzzle game because what you're doing is you swirl your finger on the screen to latch onto the heads of Pokemon to link them together to create dishes. Now that I've said that out loud, though, this game sounds absolutely frightening. But it's wrapped in the cutest of art styles for your mobile phone and Switch. Um, whenever I say heads, they're not like, they're just like little icons. Yeah, it's like, what is it, like a match three type game or something along those lines? Sort of. It's like a massive amount of those things <laughs> that are going on around there. Uh, okay, so you can also, you're basically feeding Pokemon like drinks and food items and stuff and you can actually hire them to work in your cafe later which is interesting okay uh, so it's almost like a cafe simulator that i'm the art style is actually pretty decent it's one of the better looking mobile versions of pokemon that i've seen uh, but it's also on switch i would imagine this is very touch screen oriented so i don't imagine you playing this with a controller um but as you build your cafe and your menu, you get different types of Pokemon. So it looks like an interesting game. It should be a fun one to play around with, but I'm curious, like, where do they take your money at? I don't know, man. Uh, if, if I get this one, I'm probably going to play it for all of uh, 45 seconds, probably. I'm pretty sure it's available now. Uh, well, I might have to check my phone in a minute to just make sure. But I don't know. To me, I, I'm a little burnt by mobile Nintendo games. You know, after the Mario Kart. Actually, I really didn't care for Mario Run that much, which I think people really enjoyed. Mar uh, it, it didn't have it didn't have the sales numbers uh, just because that was a game that didn't have microtransactions. It was either uh, you play the first uh, world for free or you spend mm -hmm. a flat $10 for the rest of the game. Yeah. Um, and it just it didn't sell uh if if it had been like oh pay a dollar for the next world oh pay a dollar for the world after that it would have sold um, right and so what was it uh the i don't know whatever the mobile company was that was behind all these games they kind of scolded nintendo and were like we need to change up how we do this Mm -hmm. um, and that's why stuff like their uh fire emblem mobile game and dragalia lost are like ridiculous money makers. Um, yeah. Funny thing is, none of the Mario mobile games have sold very well. Like Mario Kart mobile, and then that Doctor Mario mobile. Like, now if you look at the sales numbers compared to Fire Emblem and Dragalia Lost mobile, like, dude, those those are the games that are making the money. Well, you know, I think it also comes down to who is actually buying Mario games. You know, it's definitely those of us who are expecting a console experience and to be able to sit down and play with the controller. And you, you kind of have a certain expectation, and these games are so drastically different. I mean, they're almost like reskins of other games, which at the same time is pretty common. I mean, that's what happened with Dr. Mario. That's what happened with a lot of these smaller games that Nintendo's release over time, except they've been on the console. So, I don't know, man. I'm really surprised Dragalia Lost is as big as it is, to be honest. I don't see the... I don't know. It's just not my type of game, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess I guess they saw, like, how big Fire Emblem was, and, like, we need to put another JRPG up here. Because the, the Fire Emblem one was actually pretty fun. Um I just, I wasn't paying into it. I mean, there's other great Fire Emblem games that I've wasted hundreds of hours in. <laughs> All right. Now that we've gone and grabbed a bunch of random Pokemon heads, threw them in a cup, uh, it's time to brush our teeth. Pokemon yeah. Smile <laughs> is the next thing that was shown. Uh, it is an AR, so augmented reality, game for your phone that you catch Pokemon with. However... You have to brush your teeth. So while you're brushing your teeth, it puts like a Pokemon hat on your head. Uh, very much if you, a lot of people, I don't know if they know the term AR or augmented reality. Think of Snapchat filters 
uh, or Instagram where you like turn your face into a cow or you know a cat or something like that, and it changes based on what you're doing. That's that's essentially what it is. So it's geared for children. It uses the front camera on your phone. The app shows the little hat of the Pokemon on your kid's head, uh, and you know it's kind of playing a lot of fun music. And if they do a good job, they can catch the Pokemon afterwards. You mean you mean it's going to show the hat of the Pokemon on my head? Yes, on Rowdy's head. I mean, you know, <laughs> Rowdy's got to brush his teeth, right? And it, I honestly think it's a really smart app, The, <laughs> uh, especially if you have, like, a toddler or younger kids. Uh, you know, their tag is develop healthy toothbrushing habits through fun. And I've seen these kind of things like that. Like, I have an electric toothbrush that has an AR mode for kids built into the, the app for the toothbrush. I mean, I haven't really used it, but I've seen, like, the documentation. Dude, but, uh, how many kids are going to drop their phones in the sink? That's my one concern. Phones oh in the God. sink. But also, if you're letting your kid use your phone, you know, think of your toddler. Think of their hands after they brush their teeth. Dude, they're going to spit minty toothpaste all, your, toothpaste spit slime all over it. Touch your phone and sling a Pokeball with their nasty toothbrush stuff on where you're going to put your face later. I'm sure you've cleaned Ooh. it by then. You know, now I say this, though, as a... I, I know some parents are, like, used to that by the time their kid's brushing their own teeth, though. So, you know, it's it's whatever. <laughs> but it is available now. You can get it for your phone if you have a little kid that is... You need them to brush their teeth, and they're running away from you screaming every time you try to make them. This is a good game for it. So, definitely try it out. Now, if you don't, if you don't brush your teeth, Charizard's gonna bite your head off. <laughs> no, that is not how this game works. This is not negative reinforcement. It is positive reinforcement, Rowdy. <laughs> All right. Uh, Next up, something I guess a little more negative. Cyberpunk 27 is delayed again! Ah! Again. 20, 20, Cyberpunk 2077. Yes, whatever I said. That one, what Rowdy said. You, you said Cyberpunk 27. That's a very different game. 27, yes, Cyberpunk 27. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's go ahead and do you want to read through what they said or do you want me to? Uh, let me see here. Uh, okay, so we have decided to move the launch of Cyberpunk 2077 from September 17th to November 19th. Wait, that's that's, that's two months. Dang. That's okay, like two uh, months. Those of you who are familiar with the way that we make games. Oh, by the way, this is from CD Projekt Red. Yeah, uh, this is legit. This Z is actually Martian Iwinski, the co-founder, and Adam Badowski, who is the head of the studio. Yes, Adam Badoof. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> those of you who are familiar with the way we make games know that we won't ship something which is not ready. Ready when it's done is not just a phrase we say because it sounds right. It's something uh, we live by even when we know we'll take the heat for it. At the same time, we are fully aware that making such a decision costs us your trust and trading trust for additional time is one of the hardest decisions a game developer can make and despite we think it's the right decision for this game uh, we uh, we'd still like to apologize for making you wait longer our uh, intention is to make cyberpunk 2077 something that will stay with you for years to come in the end we hope you understand why we did what we did uh, at the time we are writing these words, Cyberpunk 2077 is finished, both content and gameplay-wise. The guests, the cutscene, is it? Oh, the quest, sorry. The quest, the cutscenes, the skills and items, all the adventures Night City has to offer, it's all there. But with such an abundance of content and, uh, and complex systems interweaving with each other, we need to properly go through everything, balance game mechanics, and fix a lot of bugs. A huge world means a huge number of things to iron out, and we will spend the additional time doing exactly that. This week, journalists from all over the world are starting to independently play the game. We are eager, and quite stressed, to hear their opinions, as well uh, as see your reactions when they publish previews right after we air Night City Wire on the 25th of June. We hope this will satisfy some of your hunger for the game uh, as the work is 
oh, as we work to polish it for the November launch. Thank you. The names that Travis said. Yeah, those people. <laughs> now, uh, according to, uh, well, let's just put it this way. So one thing that is interesting about it is it's going to release on November 19th, which puts it squarely in the zone of next gen. So yeah, that makes it interesting because Xbox has already come out and said, Hey, if you buy it for the one, we will automatically quote unquote smart, deliver it to the series X and upgrade it whenever it is time. Well, now it's being pushed back. So you could technically buy the Xbox one version and it will play better, but they're actually going to do a complete next-gen upgrade patch. Now, that's going to come sometime in 2021, but interesting thing. PlayStation is going to allow you to do the same thing. So you can buy the PlayStation 4 disc, put it in your PlayStation 5, and it will upgrade to the extra fancy edition whenever it's ready. I think that's pretty cool. So, so, but herein lies my issue, and this is definitely a first world problem. Okay. This is not a huge issue, but so these these new systems are supposed to come out. We're we're gonna say you know mid November, mid December, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I am I am already going to have packed up my PlayStation Four by that point. Yeah. Because I'm not going to have the room for the PlayStation 4 and the PlayStation 5. I don't know if I'm going to have room in my apartment for the PlayStation 5. But we'll get, we'll, we'll get into <laughs> we'll that get into later. We'll get into that later. <laughs> um, but, but, but the problem is Cyberpunk 2077. Uh, 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 well, okay, think about how big The Witcher 3 is. I played The Witcher 3 for probably three months. Um, nonstop. And it was practically the only game I played. Cyberpunk 2077 is going to be an absolutely huge game. Yep. And when it comes out at this point, you know, I'm, I'm not going to have my PS4 out. So I'm probably going to wait for this game even longer just so that I can play it on PS5 and not well, have any interruptions, not have to switch back and forth between my PS4, PS5. Because like I said, I've only got so many HDMI inputs on my TV. Like I've already got the Apple TV plugged in. I've got the Switch, the PS4, and the Xbox One all plugged in. Well, like, the I'm thing not going to have enough room for the way PlayStation this is, 5 as well. The way this is set up, though, it sounds like the game will release either the day of or after the PlayStation 5 releases. So technically, yeah, you could play this with your the PS5. The update's not going to... Uh, uh, well, you could still they, play they it. It's It'll not be, be playable on next, for next-gen stuff till 2021. No, no, it should be compatible from what I understand. Like, it'll still um, play, but it'll be playing, like, the PS4 version of it. Like, it won't have upgraded graphics. Oh, I thought they were saying that you it, you, you won't get the, the Series X or the PS5 version until 2021. Like, it wouldn't work until then. It'll work like a backwards compatible game. Now, that's based on what I've read so far. I'm pretty sure if that is not right... Uh, I'll make sure to post some clarification of that uh, gotcha. with the episode. But as far as I know, you could, you'll actually be able to play it on the PlayStation 5. Now, what could be a problem? These consoles are going to be expensive. And will the PlayStation 5, will, the, uh, will CD Projekt Red create a way to take your save file from the PlayStation 4 and move it to the PlayStation 5 if you upgrade. Yeah, you uh it's it's through what is it? PlayStation Oh my god, what is it? It's not PlayStation Oh my god. Now? I, 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 I'm I'm blank. But basically basically the uh your 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 PlayStation account like if you if you pay for the uh online Oh my god. I keep wanting to call it PlayStation Live. Yeah, I got what you're saying. PlayStation Online <laughs> um, stuff. But it uh, uh, it will it, it, I'm sorry, if you subscribe to this, anytime every time you save your game or okay, every time you shut your game off, you close the game, it automatically uploads to the cloud, like okay. Xbox and Switch already do. Um, so 
you will be able to access that save file once you get the PS5. It's, it's basically going to be the same for all okay. the consoles that have the cloud. As long as you have that save file in the cloud, you'll be able to transfer it over to next gen. Okay, yeah, because that's the question I had because the Xbox is really advertising smart delivery service right now to where you can play a game on the One and then wherever you were saved at, the the better edition on the uh, Series X, it will just work. So that's good to know. Uh, but that, yeah, that so, makes it that makes it sound like uh, uh, somebody talking about an Apple product. It just works. It just works. <laughs> but it's a Microsoft product. Uh, I, as a former tech support person, the problem with a lot of the Apple, I'm going to anger somebody, but it either just works or it will never, ever work. That's what I found out working with Apple products. Anyway, <laughs> there's Ooh, no in-between. Shut fired. Shut fired. <laughs> Most of the time it just works, but I was on the receiving end of tech support calls, so I just saw all the bad in the world. Speaking of bad in the world, let's go ahead and talk about Man. review bombing. Ugh. All right, if so, you listen to our Pokeboomer episode, we talked about review bombs, and that's essentially when people go and put zeros down because they disagree with something or are simply jerks. What were you about to say, Rowdy? Uh, I was just going to say, man, like, review bombs make me so mad. Even if it's a game that I was never going to play or if it was a game that I thought was going to suck anyways, I absolutely hate review bombs, man, because you know... 99% of these people didn't even play the game. Right. They have one small issue with the game. So they go and they create a, 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 an account on Metacritic and put in their first review as a zero. Yeah. And that's kind of what's what goes on with them. Usually there's a bunch of there's some ridiculous reasons for the zeros followed by defensive 10 reviews trying to like even it out so you have like the worst of extremes on both sides but honestly the zeros are usually way worse um oh god yeah the reality often like lies somewhere in the middle you know it's usually a divisive game and this one is has an extremely divisive set of reviews uh now i tried to report on this as impartially as possible based on reading literally hundreds of reviews today with and without spoilers so Rowdy doesn't have to, because Rowdy hasn't played the game yet. I'm yeah. not going to play it, because I don't own a PlayStation. <laughs> uh, so th- this is, I tried to be as spoiler-free as possible. You will hopefully not get the game ruined from listening to this. There are no major plot points mentioned in this review bomb uh, overview. All right, so let's go ahead and break down. Currently, now this was as of probably 3 or 4 p.m. on uh, Friday, uh, June 19th. Yeah, that, that was about the time I was frantically, angrily texting you. Yeah, I, I went into major <laughs> research mode today on this. So, <laughs> the critics currently have given the game a 95 so far, and that's out of about 100 reviews. Um, the user reviews average out to a 33 or in their case a 3.3 the way the metacritic has its scores it's set on a hundred scale for critics on a 10 point scale for users that's weird yeah this and there's a lot of reviews there are 3769 positive reviews 350 mixed and 9770 negative reviews those are full of bombs now Let's go ahead and we're going to break down what the critics are saying, and then we'll break down the users. Now, the critics, you know, vast majority of them are like hundreds. Whenever you actually go through and read the reviews on Metacritics, um, or they're like an extremely high nine, using uh, all the normal crit, you know critic comments you expect from a AAA game. It's a masterpiece. Things have never been done like this before. Um, but there are actually some outlets trying to make sense of some of these review scores, uh, such as uh, one good one was from Forbes uh, senior uh, contributor, contributor, can't speak words today, Eric <sighs> Kane, who wrote a decent article on this. Some of the things I mentioned here actually come from that, but here are some critic complaints, right? 
because I mean there is a lot of positive what the critics are saying, but I'm trying to like point out where where we might see some negative here. Uh, some did complain. Uh, the critics expl- uh, complained explicitly about explicit extreme violence uh, to where they were actually questioning could they finish playing this uh, there are things that you know this shouldn't ruin the game for you but you harm animals uh, in really realistic ways attacking people with knives that are defenseless and just some ultra realistic uh, shotgun blasts and things like that that are pretty off-putting if you were to see it the way they do it, because the game is so realistic in some of this. Um, now, we've kind of had discussions in the past, too, about ultra-violence in video games, um, and, like, there's there's a point for a lot of people. And I think that's some of the issues with the critics' reviews, but generally they'd still give it a 95 or a 100. They, they kind of got over it, but it, it kind of made them feel numb. Um, some, res- some actually, though have concerns regarding plot holes uh, or saying the game is needlessly bleak, hopeless and the characters are way too different from the first game. Because if I if I understand correctly, this is almost like a time capsule of a game, right Rowdy? Uh, it's it's uh, five years in the future so okay. um, I guess without doing spoilers for, you know, a seven year old game um, <laughs> Joel and Ellie in the last of us they are basically uh, uh, uh thrust into each other's lives 25 years after this pandemic happened this uh, uh apocalypse happens mm-hmm. and um so in, in this game in, in the game you know joel is just this real hardened uh, i'm not gonna say criminal but uh to get by in life he has had to do some very shady things uh basically his line of business is i guess smuggling Okay. Um, he's he's basically getting supplies outside of quarantine zones uh, that are very hard to acquire, um, and in doing so, you know, he basically lives in the criminal underbelly of these cities. Uh, so he's just this very hardened person who um, some very messed up things happened to him mm-hmm. right before the pandemic happened, and this is what has made him the person that he is. So so. Do I? I have a question now because I, I haven't played the first game. Like I've, I've definitely spoiled everything for myself. But as somebody that has played the game, would you consider his storyline being of redeeming quality? Like he is reaching redemption for the negative things he's done in his life. Is it a positive end essentially? It's it's definitely a positive end because. Um, all right, look. Okay, here's the deal. Spoiler alert. Again, this is a seven-year-old game. If you haven't played just, The Last of Us, just turn us, us down for about 30 one, seconds. That's your fault. <laughs> um, so at the beginning of the game, dude, I'm talking 20 minutes into this game, Joel's daughter is gunned down right in front of him uh, during this whole mm-hmm. pandemic that's happening. Uh, right. It starts off in Austin, Texas. Um the game is very cinematic at the beginning. You're, you're, uh, you actually start the game as his daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, she wakes up in the middle of the night. Uh, all of a sudden, there's an explosion in downtown Austin. Um, everything basically just starts going to hell. She walks downstairs, uh, and Joel comes running in from outside. Oh, also, this is like 2, 3 in the morning. Uh, Joel comes running in from outside, you know, he tells her, you know, get back, stay away from the window, stay away from the doors. Uh, and then their neighbor starts trying to attack Joel through uh, a glass pl- a glass pane door, uh, breaks through. His daughter sees him shoot their neighbor and kill him while he's trying to attack him. So this is basically where you learn about the cordyceps uh, infection, uh, making people very violent, wanting to attack each other. Uh, so uh, they're trying to escape. They get the car. They leave. Uh, the car is then T-boned. And in the process of this, um, when the car flips, oh, sorry, in the car is also Joel's brother who shows up to get them. Uh, so in the process of this, when it flips, Joel's daughter breaks her leg. So you spend the next part of the game trying to dodge all of these uh, cordyceps-infected people while you're carrying your daughter. Like I said, her leg's broken. So you reach the outskirts of Austin. You run into a soldier. 
Um, and the soldier is advised to shoot all survivors trying to escape. Uh, in the process, Joel's daughter gets shot and killed. She bleeds out right in front of him. Super emotional scene. I mean, just, I mean, and you're talking 20 minutes into a game. Right. Um, I'd never seen anything like that in my life when it came to a game. So then it, 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 it goes to 25 years later. Okay, so he's a completely different person. He's absolutely jaded, doesn't care for anybody. The world took his daughter from him. I mean, he's just, uh, I can't use some of the words yeah, that I got would describe you. him. Jaded. Uh, so, when Ellie shows up in the game, she's 13. Okay, so she's 13 years old. So she was born after the pandemic had already happened. Right. Uh, she's never known the world outside of the pandemic. Um and it turns out that Ellie is possibly immune to the cordyceps infection. Uh, she has been bitten by one of the infected and hasn't turned. Um, uh, so they're trying. So Joel is trying to smuggle her to a place where they can um, uh, take samples of her to find out why she is uh, immune and try to make a cure. So in the process, Joel come be, for. Joel goes from being this very hardened dude to softening up because he, he, he starts to see Ellie, you know, as, as, as the daughter that he never got to raise, uh, because she was taken from him so early. Um, so at the end of the game, they have Ellie, you get Ellie to the place they need to go to. Uh, it turns out they're about to, you know, perform the surgery to get the uh, samples they need. Turns out they didn't let Ellie know that it's going to kill her. So um, Joel has to make a choice: either save Ellie's life and damn the rest of the world, or let them kill Ellie, get the samples, and possibly make. Uh, a cure for the rest of the world. So you bust into the operating room, kill everybody, save Ellie and leave the very end of the game. You're, you're driving away. Ellie wakes up. Cause she was under anesthesia whenever uh, you bust in and save her. So she wakes up from the anesthesia in the backseat of the car. Um, she asks what happened. He lies to her and tells her, uh, turns out your samples, you know, it won't work. They, 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 they can't make a cure. It's just, it's not possible. Um, so, okay. So that's, that's, this is in the last like cut scene of the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're trying to make it back to uh, a safe haven. And the last line of the game, you know, Ellie asked Joel, are you lying to me? Is that what happened? And Joel straight up is just like, I'm not lying. That's what happened. And that's how the game ends. So this is five years in the future. Um, they're still at this safe haven that's actually run by Joel's brother. Um, and that's where everything kicks off. So people saying that, oh, well, the characters are completely different. Um, to me, that's a cop-out. Okay. Just because you see how much they evolve in the game. Gotcha. Um, and then they go from living a life on the run nonstop mm -hmm. to being five years in the same place in a safe area that's basically uh, uh, there's bas there's no infected mm -hmm. inside this area. I mean, they have walls all around it to keep the infected out, and they've basically lived five years peacefully. So, I mean, that's definitely going to change you. And I'm pretty sure Ellie finds out Joel lied in this one. Um, I'm not 100% sure what happened, mm -hmm. but just going off of what I've seen in the videos, uh, she's definitely on a path of revenge. Yes. Uh, that's a, don't know why just yet. It's a common um, theme. I'll just say that. Yeah. Now. Um, so anybody say, God, that was really long just to say that <laughs> people, that, that people who say the characters have changed, that's, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I mean, you you see them change in the first game, and this is five years in the future. Get out of here. Plus, uh, um, it's it's kind of something that's touched on a lot in these reviews. Um, in the first game, Ellie was a 13-year-old that was very confused about her sexuality. 
Um, and apparently that plays a big part in this new game. If you haven't seen any of the videos, it's obvious. I mean, all the trailers you know, initially that, showed that that was going to be a concept behind the game, so it shouldn't be surprising. Yes, it uh, shouldn't be surprising to anybody. I mean, that's part of the game. I mean, it's a coming-of-age story um, rolled into a post-apocalyptic story, rolled into, uh, 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 I, I don't know, man. It's There's just so much playing here. that, And all these people knew this going into it. Um, I mean, you can't be upset about the sexuality of one of the characters when in the first game you knew. Right. I mean, they pointed out, like, in the game. And, it's and like, that, are, you, are you for real? Like, yeah, and that, that's going to come up quite a bit that. here in a minute whenever we get into the bombing part <laughs> of the reviews. But going into more of what the critics were saying, um, Skill Up, they uh, had a video review where they compare uh, the path of one of the characters to what they did with Daenerys Targaryen uh, in the final season. Revenge. Of yeah, it, so... I. That could be another part of it. Uh, then Polygon's Maddie Myers writes that the game bashes players over the head with its message that violence is wrong. I don't have any problem empathizing with the people who I am asked to kill in video games. The Last of Us Part Two must think I'll struggle with it, though, since it doles out all sorts of reasons why I should feel regret about the murder spree its characters em embarked upon. But the game's larger problem is that the characters themselves don't ever seem to catch up with me. So I think what's happening, at least according to the critics, now this is before we get into the bombing part, um, is that people want to react in a certain way and have it affect the gameplay or... And this is not that kind of game. It is a story-based game where you follow the story and you follow that character. Even though we have input in the gameplay itself, not necessarily the story. Is kind of it's, what I'm. It's getting. very, it's very story driven, and it's very linear. And another thing, or at least, at least the first game was. And another thing that I, I'll, I'm going to go ahead and mention. I, I was going to mention it after the review bombs, but right now, you know, this game is an incredibly bleak piece of art. During a, you know, this is coming out during a time of uncertainty, uh, death, and turmoil that we're actually seeing in the world right now. Um, it's not a breath of fresh air like we got with Animal Crossing, right? Uh, you just think about spreading out a game and the time that it's coming out in. It's a, you know, could this also be affecting how people are ingesting this game, so to speak? They're looking for escape. They're looking for something else. And this game, I think, is one of those games that have come out during a time that it might be a little too real. So that could be another aspect of it. I'm just trying to think of, you know, why are we seeing such a negative backlash? Because those are the things the critics have said. And one thing that I think is really interesting is the scores from IGN. So IGN has a bunch of different news outlets, right? IGN gave it 100. IGN Italy a 95. Spain a 90. IGN Japan gave it a 70. And so... But but that's the thing, like in, in Japan they're not really about like violent games like this. Right. Like this is definitely a very Western game. Right. Um but I also want to point out for, for IGN's scores, at least IGN in America, mm -hmm. they have now gone to just a whole point system, mm -hmm. uh, zero through ten. Right. They don't do any points anymore points. so like you'll never see like a 7.2 an 8.5 they only do whole numbers now hmm. because they felt that the the decimal system was far too confusing so what they wanted to do was basically round the numbers and uh, let you know that even though they say it's a 10 they say it's a masterpiece mm -hmm. that doesn't mean it's perfect because there will never be a perfect game yeah um so they point out, even in their 10 masterpiece um, uh, 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 review, that this is obviously, this is their opinion. You know, right, you right. could have a completely different opinion of it. And they do point out flaws in the game, you know, as far mm -hmm. as like um, uh, any bugs that were in the game and storylines and stuff like that. But the, the, the thing about this game, man, uh, oh, dude. 
I want to play it right now. <laughs> Roddy's just going to leave the podcast halfway through. Uh, now, I will say that the major differences on these reviews do come down to uh, writing and new characters. Generally not gameplay. They say there are improvements in gameplay, minor ones. Uh, but in general, that's where it's at. So, now that we've gotten through the critics, let's get to the review bombs. So, we're going to work our way up. I'm going to start with the uh, start in the mud, the, the bad ones. So zero through twos. And what I would do is I'd read like a hundred or so reviews. I'm one of those weirdos that can speed read. And I was trying to like write down notes of what I see as a um, common complaints. Now, well, also a lot of these like zero reviews, though, were also like one sentence. If you would even call it an actual mm -hmm. complete sentence. Like, and some of them would be a zero, and it's like, game bad, I hate. Oh, I hate this game. It's the worst thing <laughs> in the world. Uh, all right, so a, there's a good portion of them that focus on the writing and story elements. Also, many are stating that they cater to a politically correct, or the, the catchphrase is social justice warrior crowd. Oh, my God, I'm so tired of hearing <laughs> that. So there are also <laughs> mentions in the comments uh, that I noticed from higher reviews that said that there are YouTubers right now telling people to go put zeros down on the game based on the leaks. So there, there's you not only have these people that are coming in here to put zeros down for political reasons, but you also have apparently some people that are angry with the story from the leaks and they're just not playing the game at all because they already got it ruined. So that's a big portion of the zeros uh, that they're seeing. And, uh, and of course, you're going to see the random curse words and what appears to, like, I guess somebody's cat walked across the keyboard and things like that. I mean, it just looks like a bunch of random letters and a zero. So those... Uh, what, what, one more thing I want to point out mm -hmm. about these zeros is there's also people who um, put really low scores due to the crunch that a lot of the workers from Naughty Dog had to endure to make this game yeah i remember there we talked a little bit about that in the past that they were they originally started by saying they weren't going to do crunch time and then they did it is that is that right or well i mean it all started with rockstar uh when red dead redemption 2 came out two years ago um, i mean we we all know that all of these companies crunch um yeah i mean you've got very public uh, uh, stories like uh, uh, Masahiro Sakurai talking about when he did uh, what is it Smash Brothers Ultimate how like he was at work on an IV drip because yep. he was sick and he needed uh, uh, he needed you know medications he needed <laughs> electrolytes he needed uh, all of his nutrients so he's at work on an IV drip to get this game out um, well uh, when Red Dead Redemption 2 came out um there was a story put out on uh, a uh, game website that shall remain nameless um, talking about the crunch that went on at Rockstar to have Red Dead Redemption 2 come out. I mean, you're talking mm -hmm. like people are putting in 60, 80, 100-hour weeks yep. um, for months to get this game out. And so uh, uh, Last of Us 2, it's, it's, it's got big shoes to fill. So... Yeah, they ended up crunching. I don't know if Naughty Dog said they weren't going to crunch. I mean, they shouldn't. Right. But you know, I, um, I gotta say though, part of me thinks as an artist and a creator, you know, there are when you're trying to put something out, there's like a logical amount of time you should be working on something, but that never makes sense with the work you actually put into a product. You know, I've definitely yeah, I mean, ran once into you get over hours. like fifty hours a week, I mean. How, uh, what what good are you actually doing? Yeah, I, I would I would honestly like I'm you know I'm used to major projects like sixty something hours a week or something like that. What to me that's like the cutoff point. Sixty hours is just because I'm thinking my personal work ethic on certain things. Uh, after sixty hours, I'm basically useless. Uh, yeah, you're worthless at that point. Man. Yeah, like you're worthless, but, Travis. So. <laughs> So yeah, so a, Rowdy, a how lot many of these, hours like, have you worked this week? Were also because of that. Um, I think the whole leak thing—that's uh -huh. dumb. That's People bogus are giving it reviews for, for that uh, yeah. because I've actually seen um, reviewers who have come out and said, "Yes, 
I saw all the leaks. Mm-hmm. I played the game and was still surprised at what happened. Right. Um, so, so I generally want to take these ugh. zero views and just get rid of them. You know, in my personal yeah. thought process, I do want to do that with some of the tens, to be honest. But I think where the meat of what we're going to find are in mixed reviews. If you ever have a divisive game like this, you know, or honestly, any game that's marked as a 10, like I, I try to see the mixed reviews just to get some concept of like, what is the worst of the worst? Because I think these people are trying to be honest for the most part. Yeah. There are still some people that are not, but here's what I found to be common threads. Uh, once again, writing, writing, writing. This is a common complaint in here. Uh, I'm reading everything from the writing is very contrived, expected, and they feel like the characters are being used improperly, which we, we discussed a little bit earlier. Uh, so basically what you would expect a character to do based on what you know of them or what you've experienced with them, they do something different and possibly shocking to move the plot along. Um, so once again, lots of Games of Thrones comparisons, even in the mixed reviews. Um, the legitimacy of that complaint we kind of just discussed uh, is, you know, I think there are different sides on it, but you could say either way, I believe. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you, you heard what I had to say about those characters changing over time, but that's also coming from a Sony fanboy, from a, a Last of Us fanboy. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to give this game, you know, uh, I, I'm going to fight for it until I actually play it and it's not good, uh, which it won't be. It'll be great. It'll be delightful. Uh, let's um, see. Uh, yeah. Next up, there are some claim- complaints mixed in regarding the lack of subtlety when dealing with certain politically charged topics. That was a, a complaint I saw on, that was a common thread throughout some of them. Um, so not using as much symbolism as they thought should be used. Uh, a lack of attachment to new characters is one that I saw a lot and that they were hard to relate to. Um, the gameplay feels like it's in a tunnel and that wouldn't be a problem. This is what I saw in the thread of these. If the story was better, because uh, the gameplay is supposedly a little repetitive at times. Uh, general gameplay though is excellent. Like what they're doing is good. Uh, the graphics are excellent. Some feel parts of the story uh, are forced, but not overbearing, the, uh, specifically the politically correct aspects of the story. A lot of people said, look, I mean, this is there, but it's not that bad. Get over it, is what they were trying to say. Uh, I saw a lot of this, too. I, I'm going to talk about the... I mentioned this to Rowdy. They did this a lot with Pillars of Eternity 2 Deadfire, which is like one of my favorite games of all time. Uh, the writing, they believe, was too forced in certain areas. Um, and that got, that got review bombed, but on a much smaller scale. Um, let's see. And then a lot of people complained about a major story element that I can't tell you. I will, I swear, I will will drive to your house and stab you. Punch you. (laughs) Stab. He's up to stabbing. I will socially distance stab you. (laughs) You gotta use a sword. Maybe. Like a, like a spear. Uh, also some anticlimactic uh, endings. Now that's going to be the mixed reviews. And to me, like, I feel like that gives me a concept of why people are giving it lower reviews, but at the same time, your gameplay is good. Your graphics are good, right? Well, let's get into the nines and tens. Now I really didn't see a lot of complaints about the violence aspect of this until I reached the nines or tens, which is really weird. Um, because I was expecting people to complain about it in mixed reviews and the lower reviews based on what the critics were saying. So I did see com- some complaints in the nines and tens that the, studio, the, the story is brutal and grotesque, but sometimes in a good way. It has breathtaking graphics, extremely accurate facial expressions. And one thing, better accessibility-minded gameplay mechanics. So for people that might have issues with certain things, uh, yo, uh, I've actually, I actually read a story about this, about all the different accessibility mm-hmm. options they have. Like normally you get like colorblind options and then like subtitles mm-hmm. and some games will let you, you know, remap the controllers. Um, there's actually a video you could watch of, um, uh, a gamer who is almost fully blind. Mm-hmm. I mean, beyond legally blind like and he was able to play this game yeah like that's that's pretty awesome uh 
All right. We also see excitement uh, about the HBO series in some of these that people are saying, oh, the story is so good. They're actually making an HBO series about it. But my thought process is, well, didn't HBO do something bad to that last Game of Thrones? But anyway, uh, that's just kind of a, a side thought. And then there were some tins to balance out anger from review bombs and leakers. So, so yeah, I think that's why a lot of them, a lot of those tins were there. Um, so my problem with these tins, mm-hmm. uh, e- even though I would give the first Last of Us a ten, right? Um, my problem with a lot of these tins is. They're just like, oh, Last of Us, greatest game ever. Yeah. And then, like, I see this now about, oh, they're making an HBO show about it. And, and to me, that's not a good 10. Like, if you played through the game and you could give me, you know, uh, more aspects of why you gave it a 10 other than game good, love. <laughs> like, oh, and, and then back to the whole grotesque part. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't mean to get, like, deep or negative, but, like, in, in my line of work, I have seen the grotesque and the brutal. Mm-hmm. And um, anybody who applauds that is not a normal person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'll, I th- just, I'll just put it that way. I can, I can see the grotesque in a game. Mm-hmm. I can see the brutal, and I can move on from it. But anybody that applauds a game strictly for how grotesque and violent it is. That's not a good person. I would agree with you there. <laughs> like I, I could, and that, that is a conflict I have. Like when is a game too violent? And I'm generally not a fan of censorship in video games. I do have my boundaries, but I don't necessarily think a game should be stopped from being made, but they definitely need to rate it properly. Um, you know, I, I could see myself having a hard time with that kind of thing if it's a little too much, uh, because I haven't seen the extremes of what you've seen working on an ambulance, but I have seen enough that I don't particularly care for. Uh, and you know, you could, you know, you probably don't want your kids to play this, guys. Uh, well, yeah, that's why it's rated mature. Yeah, but you know that people <laughs> hand Grand Theft Auto five to eight year olds. So, you know, yeah, I mean, that's that's their fault, though. That like, is their fault. I mean, you wouldn't you wouldn't bring your kids to see a rated R movie, yet you'll let them, you know, pick up a hooker and shoot people in the head in Grand yeah. Theft Auto. Get out of here. Well, I mean, let's put it this way. If you have adults that are writing reviews that are critic reviews that are saying that they are struggling with some of the violence in the game, mm-hmm. that could be a concern. You know, just keep in mind that whenever you're starting this game. Uh, I know we are going to revisit this later on uh, whenever Rowdy gets through the game. And we'll see how it stacks up to the review bombs. Rowdy will drop yeah. some truth bombs on us. <laughs> um, I guess, uh, uh, I know we've talked a lot about the violence. Hey, you there? I am here. Okay, sorry. It kind of cut out there for a yeah. second. Uh, no, I, I know we've harped a lot about the violence and stuff, um, but... Uh, uh, I, I I do understand them wanting to throw a lot of this in there because uh, the st- the story of The Last of Us One like it was it was meant to make you uncomfortable in a lot of parts um, and I understand they're they're trying to they're they're trying to uh, uh, make an emotional response they're trying to give you an emotional response you're supposed to feel uneasy mm-hmm. kind of like when you when you watch uh, horror movies like it's it's basically they they want you to have those feelings like when you watched Saul and just awful things were happening to these people. It's all for an emotional response. Um, I think the question is, and this might be a discussion in the future. um, Where's the line? You know, when is it, when does it go from being a, an artistic expression to becoming overly grotesque? And is there a line that might be something? So, and, and, and the, the, my, my thing as far as a line for that would be is is the violence and grotesqueness um, something that happens say in a cutscene or is it something you could do over and over again with the push Ooh. of a button nonstop in an area that is um, does, does that true. make sense yeah no I, I got you what what pushes the story and what is just something that is a an act of violence for the sake just of violence. Yeah, and then, you know, you got to think of the fact that, you know, we've talked about this too. Games do release dopamine and they reward you for certain activities. 
is that something that could possibly give you a reward uh, chemical in your brain if you do something really negative and how does that affect the brain, especially in younger minds? Uh, so that yeah. that's something I think is definitely a future discussion. Um, I know I have a lot of thoughts on that, especially in the world of art, because once again, I'm an art educator and nerd. Uh, so, but I think we are going to go ahead and move on to the next topic after the break. Do you have anything else before we hit break Rowdy? Uh, nope. I'm just going to try and power through it. That way, hopefully in like a month or so we can revisit this and it might be a old uh, side quest or something. We'll see. Hopefully yeah. it's not a Rowdy's ruckus rants. Hopefully the game is good enough for it to not be. <laughs> yeah. We don't, we don't want a ruckus rants of it. Ruckus rants are normally negative. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, we will be talking about rumors and fake gaming news after the break. And then after that segment, we're going to go into bonus points. See you after the fancy music that Rowdy has provided for us. 